Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Achieving peace connection and equilibrium in these unprecedented times can seem like a nearly impossible, even frivolous task. My guest today offers a refreshing approach to meet the challenges of these times and heal the fractured sense of self it produces. He teaches that the soul, whole, unbroken, at peace, and one with the life source, isn't a destination. It already exists within each of us, just waiting to be revealed. When we are in union with our soul, we experience a personal evolution that not only illuminates our purpose, but helps us to engage that sense of purpose and authentic presence necessary to remake the world itself. I invite you to take a few deep breaths Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your heart and mind and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Panache Desai is a best-selling author, thought leader, and life catalyst whose loving, compassionate presence and unique power of insight have transformed countless individuals, organizations, and companies. Through energetic transformation, Panache helps people break free from suffering and limitation on every level, fostering a deep understanding of who they are and guiding them into greater states of connection, collaboration, and love. And I've been a fan for years, so I'm really happy to welcome you. Welcome, welcome, Panache. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. I'm loving the timing of this book and your words and the essence that just breaks open in such beauty and light in every page so i'm really really looking forward to this conversation panache but first i'm going to i'm going to ask you our traditional first question i like to ground our conversation in a whole world view and you're all about really claiming that wholeness and 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 your understanding is I think going to offer even a a different kind of deepening into that whole worldview here. So I'm going to ask you our traditional first question. What does all things connected mean to you? It's the truth. Uh, Everything is connected. Everything is interdependent. Uh, Everything is interrelated. Uh, Nothing happens in isolation. That we are all in this together and that we are all, indeed, as Ramdas so eloquently shared, walking each other home. Mm, beautiful, Panache. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. And Panache, you've had an interesting childhood. I'm going to just start there. You were a gifted four-year-old, and your journey to reclaim that gift is a, a great foundation for our conversation today. And, and for the book, can you start with your story and how you got from this gifted four-year-old to the remarkable thought leader you are today? 
So the seeds of the, the genesis of the expression were planted even before I was born. My mother had had a stillborn baby girl, and when she was three months pregnant with me, she went to India to be blessed by a Shaktipat guru. And uh, in India, we have this tradition of Shaktipat gurus who, in their presence alone, they awaken the divine potential that lives inside of us. And so my mother was told at that point that I was going to be back to facilitate um, God's work, is what she was told. And so at that point, uh, I need to say I was born into a spiritual family. Uh, they had a meditation center in their house. And my mother was working, my father was working, so my grandmother raised me for the first five years of my life and just prayed and chanted and meditated. And uh, we were just in this environment of devotion and worship. And I was blessed enough during my early childhood to have met various gurus and teachers and saints and sages from India. And England had a, a big Indian population, so they would always stop on their way uh, to the U.S. or back from the U.S. on their way to India. And um, so I had had many, uh, an incredible exchange with these amazing beings. And uh, at the end of every program, everybody lines up uh, for darshan, which is just to be in the presence of somebody who's self-actualized. And they would all just say to me, we've been waiting for you. Thank you for incarnating. You know, come and visit me in my ashram when you get older. And I just found that to be the funniest thing ever. Um, I was very sensitive, very empathic. Uh, oneness was more the norm for me than separation at that point. And things were happening around me, various phenomena were unfolding around me where people would all of a sudden show up in my life burdened or heavy and uh, having forgotten who they are and they would just simply sit with me and they would start to unburden themselves and all of their dense, heavy emotional content, uh, which is basically just the emotions that we won't allow ourselves to feel, began to be lifted off of them. And as a child, I would say, well, you know, they've just gone back to being sparkly. Um, that's how I would see it. <laughs> and subsequently, as of course you navigate through life, um, we moved away from my childhood home uh, and from my grandmother uh, to a place called Milton Keynes that has more roundabouts than people. And I ended up in a private school and all of a sudden I went from being in this environment that felt safe and an environment that very much felt like home on so many dimensional levels to now all of a sudden being by myself, being with a child-minded uh, in the evenings until my mom came home from work and wondering what had happened. And in that moment, that feeling of safety and connection and that feeling of being nurtured that I was so present to in the presence of my grandmother had gone away. And it's in that moment that separation began to creep into my experience. So separation as I've experienced it uh, in myself and as I've seen it play out in the lives of countless hundreds of thousands of people that I've had the pleasure of working with occurs at the moment when fear is first introduced into our experience of being a human being. Uh, for some of us, that happens through trauma. Uh, for some of us, it happens through just all of a sudden having something that was once ever so present for us taken away. Uh, and for some of us, it's just a misunderstanding. We go from this expansive kind of place of connection where we're connected to all things to all of a sudden experiencing the absence of that. And so uh, from that moment on, uh, you go from feeling like you're enough to all of a sudden feeling like you're not enough. Uh, and then because everyone else around you is pretending not to be God and uh, engaging in separation, you, of course, gradually, little by little, begin to move away from your essential self and create this uh, personality, this persona that you believe that you need 
in order to belong in the world and in order to fit in the world. Uh, so this game went on for me, um, you know, pretty much until about the age of about 18 uh, to 21. And spirituality was still at the foundation of who I was, yet it wasn't so much at the core anymore. It's at the foundation. So we now know that what happens in the life of a child in the first seven years uh, becomes the foundation experience for their life. So the thought leader was born in those first seven years. And even before, uh, in that wonderful activation and blessing that I'd received in the womb. Subsequently, life happens and you try and fit in, you try and belong. And the more you try and fit in, the more you try and belong, the more you suffer. Because conformity and uh, trying to fit some kind of social norm, uh, of course, only leads to misery. And uh, I'd reached the peak of that misery at about 21 years old. Uh, sat down with my mother uh, after just being exhausted from trying to fit in and trying to meet other people's expectations and requirements. And I just, in a moment of vulnerability, sat down. My mom said, Mom, I'm living a lie. I have to go back. I have to live like a monk for six months. I have to go away. I have to get back to who I was as a child. And uh, she said, so where will you go? I said, do you want to go to India or do you want to go to the U.S.? Because this particular guru that had blessed me had an ashram uh, in the U.S. And so I said, no, I'll go to America. And um, came out to the ashram, it's a residential retreat center, shaved my head and began six months of selfless service, basically lived like a monk, a very simple life. And uh, in that period of time, through the power of grace and practice, I began to reconnect with that essence that I had inside of me in the safety of that meditation room, in the safety of that energy and that vibration and that presence that I had been so bathed in as a toddler. And of course, all of a sudden, um, People were having experiences of this phenomenon again, all around me. And at that time, it was very confusing for me because I would touch people that go into states of oneness or if they had suffering, the suffering would go away. Or uh, if they had issues in their lives, all of a sudden, I would just have the answer for them. And I wasn't consciously doing anything. It was just happening. And um, the confusion was that people would like fall to the floor and say, you're my guru. And I'm like, I'm not. Please go away. I'm not here to be anybody's guru. Uh, and it was confusing, especially because there was a guru in the ashram at that time. And uh, I had every amount of love and respect for her and all the beautiful ways in which she was carrying on the tradition of this particular master that had blessed me. And so finished that period of time and I'd begun to come back online and uh, went back home to London. Had nothing in common with London. Uh, I felt like an alien in a land that I once called home. And it was at that point that I said to my mom, I think my destiny is in America. I had a green card at the time, and I just moment I need to go back to America. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. I just know I'm supposed to be in America. And that's how my journey began uh, in the U.S. in 2001. Uh, I first moved to New York and then moved out to L.A. and then met healers and teachers and mystics. And again, we've been waiting for you. Thank you for incarnating. They would just love me and support me in whatever way they could, and I was always very grateful for all of them. And then 2002, 2003 was when I got to a point where I finally said, okay, if I'm here indeed to be this messenger that everyone keeps telling me I'm here to be and I have all these gifts and I fundamentally don't belong and don't fit in, I need to experience what God is. And uh, began to experience wave after wave of emotion, wave after wave of density, short lifetimes worth. And there was a, a moment where everything just disappeared into golden light. And the room was just filled with this golden presence. I was this presence. Everything was this presence. And I was shown very clearly that this is really who we are. This is who we all are. We're this 
infinite ocean of light and presence. And the feeling associated with it was beyond any definition that I could ever use, but love is the closest word in its purest form that we can subscribe to this feeling. And after this experience, I went into bliss for about six months, just staring at my ceiling. Uh, everything was filled with light. There was light emanating from everything. And people had heard what had happened to me. They'd come sit with me, and their lives would just transform fundamentally. They'd begin to access a spiritual dimension of who they were. And uh, this is kind of how everything began. So that, in a nutshell, is the transition from womb to uh, meditation room to thought leader. Mm. Thank you. And there's a beautiful context to, to help others on their journey here as we're looking at, at that journey. And, and um, I really appreciate the safety and connection piece of your childhood and then coming back to it and then feeling like you're coming back home until you totally embody this light in this way. So part of that is that remembrance of the essential self. And you, you write a lot that um, this is the place which is one with God. It is the knowing of, of who you are fully and authentically. And this recognition, this union with God is the essential self. And the book is about the essential self. The title, You Are Enough, that we're talking about is your brand new book, You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential, and possibility. So, speak more about the essential self and and um, how you see that, Panache. So, the essential self is that part of us that never changes. You know, we've been programmed and conditioned to believe that we are our story, that we're our body, that we are our feelings, that we are our thoughts and our beliefs, that we are our lineage, our ancestry, um, that we are our material possessions, but actually we're so much more than that. Uh, who we really are is a luminous being. Uh, we really are light. And uh, different people have articulated that in different ways, but the, the, the description that works the best for me is that we are uh, infinite uh, awareness, pure being and pure potential. And that when we begin to realize that we have a body, but we're not our body, all of a sudden we start to find a level of spaciousness around our physical experience when we begin to realize that we have a mind, but that we're not our thoughts and we're not our beliefs, we begin to all of a sudden have a level of spaciousness around our relationship with the mind, and the same with the feelings. And so this fundamental shift uh, from created self to essential self is the most important transformational doorway that any human being can walk through right now. You know, as we're on this call, uh, every notion of reality is fundamentally being challenged, uh, and everything that everyone held as normal is being fundamentally redefined. And so in this time of reset, in this time of self-reflection, it's important that we begin to recognize what's real and what's important. And every ancient mystic and yogi from all traditions has shared that the only thing that's real is the essential self, that everything else is impermanent, that everything else has a beginning and an end, and that any point of identification with any of these external phenomena uh, is a recipe for suffering. So, for example, if you were identified with your investment account, all of a sudden uh, you took an 11,000-point haircut in the Dow Jones, uh, there's suffering. Why? Because all of a sudden you've related to yourself with some external form. You've placed a value on yourself 
on something that's outside of you. Uh, if you are, um, your relationship, for example, and your relationship ends and, and you've deemed that the love that you're experiencing in your life is because of your relationship, then again, you have taken an in internal quality and projected it on somebody outside of you. And then when they go away, you think the love's gone away, but it hasn't. Uh, you were the source of the love all along. Same thing with our health, same thing with our abundance, same thing with connection. So everything that we are looking for outside of ourselves originates from inside of us. And as much as humanity has conquered space and you know is beginning to advance into realms of science and understanding and awareness that are beyond anything that we could ever imagine, uh, the one frontier that we haven't truly explored is what's inside of us. And as someone who has explored it, I can tell you that everything outside of you exists within you, that uh, every single phenomenon that is a material phenomenon has a spiritual essence and point of reference inside. And so we're living in this world of illusion. Uh, modern uh, translation of that is that we're living in a simulation. Uh, but that all of this is a manifestation of our own state of consciousness. And the blessing there is that if something in life isn't unfolding in the way that we would like it to, we can always change our energy, shift our rate of personal vibration and frequency through the integration of these aspects of us that have become denser and heavier through judgment and criticism. Liberate that energy and then begin to return to our natural state of being, which is a state of pure awareness, pure potential, and pure being. At that point, everything in our life becomes a reflection of that potential. And this is where we are now. This is the journey that we're on. And this is the gift of transforming our experience of ourselves from being one of not being enough to realizing that we've always been enough and, be always, and that we always will be. Mm. Can you explain... I. I, I want to bring in that vibrational frequency in a minute here down the road, but I'm going to go back to this when you're talking about the state of being and that literally to achieve this profound peace and connection in these times here is, is a state of being when we're in that embodied state of consciousness and you write about divine consciousness and that that divine consciousness is within us, and some label it the Christ consciousness or Buddha consciousness or, or the Buddha mind. But how do you understand divine consciousness and how that relates to this state of being? So in that experience that I had of this infinite ocean of presence, that to me is divine consciousness. It's just pure possibility and pure potential. It's a space within which there's no resistance uh, there's complete flow, there's complete harmony. And how that translates on an individual level is this peace. And so for me, it's like I'm living in a house with three floors. Uh, on the bottom floor, I can solely be my personality. On the upper floor, I'm solely that peace, that transcendent peace, that divine consciousness. And I choose to exist somewhere in the middle where I can bring that divine consciousness, that presence and that love, the essence of who I am into this world and translate it through my life, through the books, through um, the, the, more, the meditations every morning called Calm, through activation alignment calls, through individual sessions, through mentoring, through all of the mediums that have been created around this expression. And the more we're able to recognize that peace is our natural state of being, 
and that everything else that's happening is just a fluctuation that's occurring on the surface, whether it be at the level of the emotions or the mind, the more we can begin to come back to that peace and live from that peace. And in that state of peace, we are the essential self. We are the authentic self. And from that place, we access greater possibility and greater potential than we could ever imagine. And so this divine consciousness, let's think of it as the ocean. And who we are is the ocean experiencing itself as the drop. So we are unique lenses of divine experience and perception. Mm. Uh, Panache, when you were describing the house, I love the three-story house metaphor. And when you were describing that, I saw um, a staircase in between the second and in between the first and the third, like bypassing that second floor where in these times on the planet, you're going up and down and up and down, like to affect change, to help others, to support others, to be in this place of of um, really fascinating times on our planet. I just saw you like accessing the personal and the, it's more of that integrated place where that movement was moving so fast to really ground this sense of the essential self on the planet as we're all in this place of opportunity right now. Is there, in, in the, on the one hand, um, we're looking at the external as the reflection of the internal, right? But you, you also say that no experience in life, however painful, is wasted. That sometimes this is difficult. Really, this is difficult for us to digest and understand as we're looking at the world today. Like, no experience in life is ever wasted. Um, explain what you mean there, because I think these are peculiar times and, and our ability to really stabilize the essential self and come into this place is where the medicine is in 2020. So there are three distinct ways in which we're experiencing what's happening in the world right now. Uh, the first level, it's happening to us. Uh, we're being victimized by it. Uh, we're experiencing an absolute loss of control and all of the powerless and hopelessness uh, that we feel uh, as a result of uh, living in this sense of perception that something is happening to us. Uh, people who are empowered are beginning to see that it's happening for them. That means that they're home, spending time with their spouse, spending time by themselves, spending time with their children, uh, being able to read books, being able to meditate, being able to connect, being able to simplify, being able to once again, come back into harmony with nature to get clear about what their needs are, uh, to really, on a very fundamental value uh, val level, redefine what they value and what they're living for and why they're here. And then, in oneness, life is happening as us. So in order for us to access oneness, we have to become completely accountable and responsible for all of it. So at that level, the virus is us. Everything is us. Everything that's happening right now is us. And at that point of relationship, there's no separation anymore. There's no, there's no, nobody doing anything to you. It's all happening inside of you. So a very simple way of describing it is that every human being is living inside of their dream. 
So we're all dreaming our dream of life, our dream of our reality. We're experiencing that. And that dream is unfolding inside of God's dream. In oneness, there's no longer any difference between your dream and God's dream. It all just becomes the same dream. And how we get there is by ending our resistance to life, by coming into the acceptance of who we are. And the key word is integration. Um, for me, uh, the more I'm able to embrace who I am at the level of my humanity, and the more I'm able to meet all that I am at the level of my humanity, the more that part of me that is that divine part, the essential self part, just effortlessly emerges. And so the doorway to our divinity is through our humanity. Uh, we don't get to bypass it. We don't get to sidestep it. We get to welcome it. We get to create a new relationship with it. We understand that you know, our life's experiences, uh, our pain, our suffering, our abuse, our trauma, whatever that is, is our entry point into compassion and service. And that we come from this infinite source potential into a form to have these experiences, to wake up in the midst of them and to transform them. And in waking up in the midst of them and transforming them, we're ensuring that no other human being ever need no good go through them again. This is the power and blessing of being human. And this is the gift of our life, is that it is a compassionate choice to leave that uh, oneness and to leave that place where everything is interconnected and interrelated, to come down to the place where we have this illusion of separation and this illusion of otherness, to once again reawaken to that truth down here and to do so while being fully embodied. And so integration is the key and the acceptance of all that we are at the level of our humanity, our past, everything that we've gone through allows our relationship with it to be transformed to one where we're no longer in opposition to everything that's happened, but to one where we're able to be in harmony with everything that's unfolded and we're able to see it as the blessing that it is in allowing us to love others who are going through something similar. Perfect. That's a great way for us to look at this and it's a great place for us to take a break. Panache, thank you for that response. And, and after the break, come back and listen. We are going to talk about what to do with the emotions, how to process emotions, and really how you can stabilize that essential self, really understanding the created self versus the essential self. I'm here with Panache Desai. We're talking about his new book, You Are Enough. We will return in just a minute. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. 
because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. All right. I know this isn't any fun to talk about, but we should. So, who's going to do what? Flashlights? Nowhere to be found. Where to be found. Batteries? Dead. Great. Emergency supply kits? Not packed. No. What about blankets? We have an old towel. Good enough. Cell phones? May not work. Uh, emergency water? Not a drop. And what about food? Nope. Perfect. We all know where we're meeting if we're separated, yeah? The library! Aunt Joan's house. The bus stop. Great. And I'll be waiting here wondering where you all are. Sounds like we don't have a plan. Who's up for mini golf? Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov kids for tips and information. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. back to the dog show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the shelter pet group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of different ways you can do that, and you can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. We are here with Panash Desai. We're talking about his new book, You Are Enough. You can find out more about Panash, his work, his programs, how to be a part of his daily connections, and you can do that at panashdesai.com. That's P-A-N-A-C-H-E. D-E-S-A-I dot com. And we're back in the second half. And Panache, right before the break, I said we're going to talk a little bit about emotions and and that integration that you're talking about. Integration is the key. And I think we should probably start with the acknowledgement of that core wound. You write about our core wound and our perceived unworthiness here. And I imagine that most everyone can relate with that, but 
Do you want to say anything about the core wound and how we heal that? And then we can dig into that big question of, of emotions and, and how to process emotion. So uh, every single one of us has a core wound and it translates in the following way. Our pain colors our perception and then in turn uh, creates our experience. And so when we're thinking about uh, our work and career, our relationships, our divine connection, our health and vitality, we can see from that model that it's very important that we resolve that core wound. Uh, when I first started working with people, um, I would uh, almost resolve it for them. And uh, it got to a point where I um, was able, once I'd done enough of that, to support people in being able to do it for themselves. And that core wound uh, takes many different forms, but the flavor that it takes always is of not being enough. I've met many a successful person from all over the world who has built uh, the most amazing business, um, has the most amazing life in order to prove that they are enough. But the problem is that because that core wound is still in place, there's no peace, there's no connection, and they're not able to enjoy a moment of it. And so as we look at life and as we look at transformation or the notion of transformation, there's one thing and one thing alone that needs to be addressed, and that is the core wound. So what is it? It's a series of emotions that we have inside of us that occurred uh, in one of three forms. So as I've experienced it, it occurs through sexual abuse or trauma. It occurs through emotional abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, or it occurs through a misunderstanding. And all of these are entry points into the core wound. And of course, it all correlates again with the loss of innocence and the loss of safety. So from that moment, when one of these incidences occurred, we begin to create unconsciously, we, we begin to create from our pain, specifically wanting to avoid feeling that pain ever again. And this is how the whole construct of the ego and the identity comes into being. Because the ego and the identity isn't wrong, it's not bad, it's just protecting and defending the hopeless and powerless aspects of ourselves. And so in working with people uh, throughout all walks of life, and helping them embody oneness and then helping them move into great levels of vitality and health and prosperity in every way. Uh, the, the place that we start always is with the core wound and the resolution of what's at the foundation. Because once that core wounding is resolved, the individual returns naturally to a place of safety. And what we have to understand is that no evolution or development can occur in the absence of that safety. If you are constantly stuck in fight or flight, and you're constantly protecting and defending, then there's no way for you to ever receive what life has to offer you. And also, all of the things that you want, intimacy, connection, you know, having an expression, you know, having all of these creative endeavors and ventures that have the capacity to uplift the world remain ever elusive. And no matter how much you egoically are able to adapt in the presence of the core wound, uh, you're still devoid from receiving. So... Uh, in working with the core wound and in resolving it uh, through vibrational transformation, uh, we have had a 100% success rate in every area of life and living. So right now, if you're seeing a deficiency in your health or a deficiency in your finances or a deficiency in your relationship or a lack of relationship or some deficiency in your parenting or some other area of life or living, then that goes back to the model, which is, which is that that core wounding 
creates a distortion in our perception. And all of a sudden then, that feeling of not being enough creates our experience because our, our reality is a feeling-based reality. It's responding to how we feel about ourselves. And so when we shift the level of feeling, when we change our energy and change our lives, because feeling is emotion, and emotion is just energy in motion, and when we bring it into resolution, all of a sudden, we liberate the soul's trapped potential. Because when we think in terms of energy, vibration, and frequency, the soul exists at the subtle level of energy. So it's at the very core. The layer around the soul is the emotional layer, then there's the mind, and then there's the body. So I realized a long time ago that if we were to lib how we liberate the power of the soul, that part of us that's infinite, that already knows, that already is everything, is by addressing what there is at the emotional level. And the more we can address whatever there is at the emotional level, particularly the dense, heavier emotions and the core wounding, the more we liberate that soul's potential, restore harmony and balance at the level of the emotions, restore harmony and balance at the level of the mind, and restore harmony and balance at the level of the body. And then beyond that, in every area of life and living. And when your life reflects the harmony and balance that exists at the level of the soul, you start to live a pretty miraculous existence. You experience heightened synchronicity, meaning it's almost like everything just perfectly lines up for you uh, without you even trying. And you become uh, less reactive. Uh, you also um, just become completely peaceful uh, and experience some sense of bliss and fulfillment. And so the resolution of the core wound is the return to oneness and the return to sovereignty that we are all needing but that we don't even know to ask for. So, Panache, with the, the healing that happens, to restore harmony and balance at every level, this is really important here, and I, I want to just pause and, and have you explain just a little bit more. You're talking about the bi vibrational transformation mm -hmm. and the healing that occurs. And, you know... In our culture, we've had this kind of this new age mythology that, that does that spiritual bypassing for us that, you know, you just don't feel your feelings and you stay in this place of nirvana. That, But you're talking about really coming into that that integration process, that vibrational transformation to, to heal that wound and feel the feelings to reveal that level of the soul. Can you say more about that healing process and the vibrational transformation that you're talking about? So in what's happened in the world is that we have adapted in the presence of the core wound and we've created this spiritual identity, right? And in the realm of that spiritual identity, we have judged ourselves uh, to a greater degree than we were judging ourselves before. And the whole notion of the spiritual identity is to become better than. And so we use concepts of um, spiritual uh, languaging and uh, teachings and things like that to exist in some place above the human experience or beyond the human experience. But that isn't it. What I'm talking about is self-actualization. So self-realization is just the first part of it. So I know that I'm a divine being. I know I have a divine potential. But until I'm able to authentically embody that in every moment, it's not worth anything. And in order for me to authentically embody it, I can't be bypassing. I have to be present for whatever there is to feel inside of me, realizing that 
whatever bitterness I have inside of me or whatever it is I have to feel inside of me is the very medicine that I need in order to be free. And so in sitting with this core wounding, what we're doing is placing our attention uh, on what's happening inside of us instead of reaching for uh, some relief or reaching for some light or some other dimension or some connection that's unsustainable, uh, what we're doing is creating a sustainable platform of connection. And how we do that is by turning and facing our pain, uh, by ending our resistance to it, by ending our aversion to it. You know, oneness is the inclusion of all things. Uh, we have to cultivate an all-inclusive relationship with every facet and aspect of who we are. And that's the only way it becomes sustainable because as long as we're living in that spiritual ego and that identity, one minute we love ourselves, the next minute we hate ourselves, the next minute we love ourselves, the next minute we hate ourselves, and there's no authentic sustaining of states of consciousness or states of experience. So after you have the awakening and the remembrance of who you are beyond the mind, the body, emotion, feeling, and your story, then you have to do the laundry. And the laundry is cleaning up everything in the body cleaning up everything in the mind, cleaning up everything at the emotional level specifically, by turning and facing it, having the courage to meet it, by welcoming it, by ending our resistance to it. And it's at that point that this greater potential can finally start to be embodied, and then it can be fully expressed through the physical form, powerfully for the benefit of every other person alive. That was an exceptional... Um description of the process. Thank you. I, I think that is really helpful. And I think another element of this that, that you write about that is helpful is our tendency to identify with the mind, body, and emotions and coming into this new where this new invitation is really to to ground this identity of soul to really live that, like you're talking about the self-actualization part. So the identity part is, I, I guess I'm not going to make any sense here for a second, so let me just just blurt out what, what I'm, where, where I want to go here, because it, it, I think it's important, is that when you described that we're going to do that work, and then we come into the realization, that self-realization process, and then it's a matter of cleaning up. It's, it's like cleaning the house then and keeping that bottom level of your house clean and clear so that you can live in that second floor and energy and benevolence and grace can just move and flow on all three floors of this house. Does that make sense? Is that a question? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, so you know, your, your, your first point of realization is, okay, you're in a room. And then you realize that you're, you're, you have different levels, right? you have floors. And then you realize that you're in a home. But then eventually you get curious about, okay, well, what is there beyond the home? Let me go out into the garden and let me start venturing around the neighborhood and figuring out you know, what, else, what, what there is beyond what I'm able to see and perceive and interact with and interface with. And then after a certain point, you then even transcend the notion of a home. Right? You transcend the notion of outside and inside and all of these concepts and points of identification. But in that transcendence, you become 100% useless. Uh, when, when I was in states of bliss, uh, I was completely non-functional. I mean, I would just literally uh, be in such a state of divine intoxication. Uh, I could hardly talk. 
the basic functions of life and living were hard. I had to relearn them uh, or, or remember how to engage in them. And, uh, and gradually, uh, I have uh, come back into my body. But for me, it's been a, um, you know, a 14-year journey you know, of literally coming back from that infinite expanse into my body fully and realizing that in being fully embodied, I am at my most impactful. And so the first phase of it is remembering that we're light. And then the second phase of it is rem is embodying the light. And after that period of bliss finished for me, uh, three to six months, I then had to go back and start to embrace Panache and embrace who Panache was and you know, every experience that he'd had and everything that he'd gone through. And uh, that period of integration has now led in me being able to pretty much relate to any human being, uh, being able to support anyone regardless of what they're going through, and being able to bring this presence to them wherever they're at by meeting them where they're at because I've been able to meet myself where I'm at fully and completely. And so again, our humanity is the greatest blessing of all, because it becomes the bridge through which we get to be of service to others. And that can only happen when we take a very honest look at who we've become, why we behave the way that we behave, how we're engaging in the way that we are, and especially identify the shadow, everything that constitutes the shadow, everything that we've judged, everything that we've pressed and suppressed that we don't want to deal with. And so that phase of integration and diving into the depth of the shadow and, and revealing everything as the light there has now allowed me to pretty much just be able to be how I was when I was four or five years old and just sit with people. And just in sitting with them, they come to know God within themselves and they come to know the blessing and the miracle that is their life. Beautiful. That reminds me of your definition of enlightenment. I really love that. You wrote a vibrational realignment of energy that unfolds as you shed your inauthenticity and return to who you are. Mm. And who you are is this God source that you're talking about. Um, it seems really simple. Your your definition of enlightenment is like, oh, this vibrational realignment it seems really simple for those that are going into daily practice for years and years or get, you know, going to the ashram and, and becoming a monk. But um, that remembering, that realignment is a very doable thing when we enter our humanity, when we start humaning with one another here. Can you speak more yeah. about that definition? So the more we embrace ourselves at the level of the mind, the emotion, and the body, the more we transform. And so what we have to realize is that we've been fundamentally conditioned out of our magnificence. Uh, mm. That from the moment we were born, we had modeling of what love was that was uh, incomplete. And then we had modeling of what safety was that was incomplete. And then beyond that, when we entered the school system, we were conditioned to become a unit of production uh, so that we could become a unit of consumption, of course, which is a vicious cycle because no matter how well, how great you are at producing, your consumption just becomes more expensive. And um, so there's no fulfillment to be found. And uh, you also give up your essential self in order to find some sense of belonging in a community or in a group of people who have also forgotten who they really are at the deepest level. And so the return to 
this recalibration happens through, first of all, embracing the totality of who you are and realizing that no part of your experience is a mistake, that your sadness needs to be embraced, your anger needs to be embraced, your fear needs to be embraced. And by being embraced, I mean that when you're present to those emotions, sit with them, welcome them. You don't have to act them out. You don't have to make them about any other person. This is where the 100% responsibility and accountability comes in. If you're able to simply welcome the discomfort of egoic existence in the form of emotions, in the form of thoughts, in the form of physical sensations, and you're able to just relax in the presence of them, that opens up the doorway to integration. And the more these parts of us that we were once uh, in resistance to are integrated, and the more they're held, and the more they're nurtured, the more they transform. And eventually we're liberated from them. Not to say that we may not ever have a moment of sadness or anger or fear again, we will. But when we have it, it's not a big deal anymore. The window of experience becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Until eventually, we're just aware of the fact that we're feeling sad. And in that process of awareness, all of a sudden, the sadness washes through us and we're not, we're not sad anymore. Same thing with our anger and same thing with our fear. So what we've done in the spiritual space and in the transformational space is create a hierarchy of experience. And there isn't one. Everything in every moment is the totality of who we are. Everything in every moment is the totality of what we have to experience in order to be free. And everything is finding uh, a place in the moment to come into our awareness, to come into our experience. And everything in life is serving to do that. So, for example, if somebody triggers you and activates you, at that point, that's your golden opportunity to get clear about what's going on inside of you, to feel what there is to feel inside of you. And in doing so, untether yourself from reactivity, unplug yourself from suffering, disconnect yourself from separation. And this is how we remove the notion of separation, which is false in the first place, is by turning and facing the identity, all of the emotions, the mind and the body with love. You know, the, the, the most modern definition of enlightenment that I've come with, the most recent one, is it's basically just our soul giving our ego a hug. Mm-hmm. The, the more we can just give our identity a hug, the parts of us that are afraid, the parts of us that are angry, the parts of us that are scared, the more we can just be with them and embrace them and nurture them like a loving mother would, the more their needs are met and the more they transform into light. And the more then everything becomes this light. And so it has a compounding effect in the revelation of light. The more we're able to turn and face our humanity and meet it with the fullness of our love. As you were talking about the, the everything in every moment is the totality. And, and here we are. There was a, a, a beautiful pearl that I found in your book. It was like this one sentence and it, it just like jumped off the page. And I think it's so powerful in the medicine of, of coming home to the essential self here. And it's, it's about the possibility. You wrote, there's an awareness of limitless possibilities constantly emerging in the spaciousness of the present moment. Mm. So I, I love that. I'd love for you to say more about it because it's kind of like when we've cleared, we've cleaned the house and then all of a sudden we realize we don't even have a house anymore. We're, we're the essential self in the world. But we come to that place of limitless possibility that emerges in that spaciousness. Okay. So the, the, the first possibility that we access is the first possibility of aliveness. You know, we really start living 
instead of just going through the motions and you know hitting our pillows at night just exhausted and and frustrated you know we really live each day and we feel like we've been wrung out completely because we've been of service and we've been able to offer the highest and the best in every moment and situation and, and the highest and the best to ourselves so that's the first possibility and the blessing that arises all of a sudden we start to uh, be in harmony and then all of the laws of the universe and nature begin to go to work on our behalf you know nothing in nature needs to go to a self-help seminar you know not there aren't any squirrels in abundance workshops <laughs> or uh, cows in, uh, you know, uh, meditation classes. Everything in nature is already in a state of harmony. And so by revealing the essential self, by once again coming home to the peace that lives inside of us, we begin to then access all of the same principles that nature demonstrates in every moment. And all of a sudden our life just begins to take care of itself. We live in this kind of flow, this amazing state of flow, where we're just literally like floating down a river just having every experience we need to have, having no aversion to any experience that we're having, feeling intense peace in the midst of every experience, no matter what it is, recognizing that who we really are is not the experience. Who we are is this peace. And the more we are in that state of being, the more we're able to navigate anything that's hard and challenging or difficult from a place of truth and grace. And so the power of possibility is awakened and enlivened once this connection is reestablished and literally it is infinite you know I um, I began this journey honestly a completely reluctant messenger I uh, through uh, a series of experiences that kind of wore my skepticism away uh, felt compelled to share uh, and initially it wasn't even that I wanted to share is that people wouldn't leave me alone and so they would just ask me questions and begin to you know, probe out of me whatever information they could glean around what had happened to me and how they could live in that state of experience too. And that journey took me on an amazing adventure uh, that led to meeting my wife Jan, sitting next to Oprah Winfrey, meeting some of the most influential people in the world, working with them, helping them through whatever was going on in their lives. And, you know, honestly, that's a, a way of life and living that I, I never, ever could have imagined. You know, when when I look at my life, I mean, I'm... I get to wake up and be myself every day. And I mean really be myself, be who I naturally and authentically am. And in being myself and showing up as that, I'm able to support my family, I'm able to support an ever-expanding community, I'm able to create whatever needs to be created to help people remember who they are and meet every moment fully and completely, making the most of this gift of life. And so... The possibilities are infinite, and the experience of those infinite possibilities arises through the catalytic moment within which we realize that we are so much more than what we've been told. Mm. Panache, thank you for that, and thank you for, for sharing yourself with all of our listeners here today. I'm just seeing that little boy in that meditation room with his grandmother and all those seeds being cultivated and um, so thankful that they were. Thank you for, for being who you are and bringing this message to all of our listeners in the world today. Thank you for uh, a wonderful interview and I'm very grateful for you and very grateful for everyone that's tuned in from all over the world. Mm, thank you. I'm going to leave um, you listeners with just a few words of panache that are really powerful. So take this in. You are here to answer the call to live your highest expression. 
and in doing so, illuminate your life and the world. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.